Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode number 359. We're getting towards some um, some sort of 360. It feels like there should be some portentous something or other for it. But anyway, <laughs> 360 is good to go. So I want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Uh, I'm Nick Batt, editor of sonicstate.com. And of course, our sponsors, show sponsors, Isotope, who will be uh, will be announcing the winner of last week's competition, where one lucky uh, contributor will be winning a copy of RX3, their sort of audio restoration suite. So stay tuned for that. That's uh, what's known in the trade as a teaser, I'm, I, I'm told. And I'm that's what I'm trying to do. So that means you keep listening. But you should want to keep listening anyway, because we've got a great show for you. And I'm going to start off, because we haven't had him for a little while, let's say hello to Mr. Robbie Bronnerman. Oh, and hello, Shaz, who's just <laughs> running out in the corner. <laughs> um, Robbie there in Robot Studios, uh, in, yep. with his modular kit. Uh, been rehearsing recently, I hear, Robbie. Yeah, getting ready for the summer gig. So we've done our first gig and it's all going well. Yeah, although um, everything that we thought might potentially go wrong all worked perfectly. And then the gear we've been using for years that never fails us went wrong. Ah, okay. This is, of course, uh, playing with uh, Howard Jones, presumably, is yeah. it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Howard it was jo- interesting when the drummer, the drummer's kit just kept turning off and we had to, Howard and I had to just sort of amble along with no drums for sort of a verse and a chorus at a time <sighs> while Oof. rebooted which oh, we've dear. never had oh that sounds yeah, a bit we, harsh yeah we've never had that before anyway i think it was a dodgy firewire cable so thank goodness for uh SSD, ssds though eh that brings yeah. it all back a bit quicker yeah, yeah quick load up yeah. <laughs> anyway robbie uh, of course um producer songwriter composer and also md for howard jones i'm guessing you're going to be off on tour for a little while so we won't have your um, presence for some time how, how long are you off for well it's, it's a lot of weekend gigs up until august and then we've got the big u.s tour right. u.s and south america so most second half of august right the way through till sort of second half of um, september Ah, okay. Well, great. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find out more about what Robbie does. You check him out at Sushi Friday Music on Facebook, uh, him, and also a YouTube channel now, finally. So we can share your videos, which I will do because you posted a bunch of stuff. In fact, there was a video of you appearing in our show last week, which is pretty mad. That was a kind of meta, meta content. So thank you very much for that. (laughs) And uh, we'll also go to Mr. Mark Tindley. Why ever not? Mark Tindley with no hat, but. but a, a, a good head of hair and um, Hello. just eating a biscuit. Mark Tinley, of course, uh, creative thinker and music technologist and what looks like the proud owner of, is that your Behringer C1 USB version now that we're listening to? It is, actually, yeah. Excellent. Well, it's I, nice I, to have... I love it. You just plug it in and it works. Brilliant. That's all you Why really want from that something. That's, that's, that's Those... the way it's supposed to work. No more valves and wires. Just one... Although I have discovered, actually, USB leads are not all the same. So I've got, it came with a cheap USB lead and I thought, God, this mic's really noisy. And then when I threw the cheap USB lead away and plugged in like a gold-plated professional one, it suddenly got really quiet. Really? I've uh, never heard of that. That's interesting. No, seriously. And, and the way, and what I, what really drew my attention to it was I used the, the USB lead that came with the mic on my little VRM box with a set of headphones. And I was thinking, God, what's that noise in the background? And it's like, it's uh, the power supply for the computer seems to, the power rail 
sends something horrible down the line, and I end up with this kind of... Wow, I've never heard of that. That's a top tip. Yeah. So uh, Switch the lead and it went away. Good Lord. Amazing. That's the sort of top tip that you should listen into this show for. So there's, there you go. That's for nothing. <laughs> Fantastic. Nice one, Mark. Thank you very much. And that was just the introduction. There's so much more to come, including Mr. Rich Hilton, who's over there in uh, sunny Connecticut, uh, where he uh, mans the controls in Niles Rogers' private studio facility and also is a member of Chic and is generally not here because he's gigging everywhere like we said before pretty much everywhere in the world you'll see a poster for something that Rich is involved in or something <laughs> that seems fair enough how are you Rich? Good thank you Excellent and um, you, are you busy at the moment or are you having a slight lull or is it okay? Uh, it's all good and busy yes and uh, yeah Good music, good times. Excellent. Sounds like a sounds like a title of a song. Cool there. gear. I'm sitting on my uh, brand new Aeron chair right now. Oh, cool. Did you go for the foil back or the 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 air the air's back or a different kind of back? Because they they got different sorts of models. I've got. I'm sitting on mine here. As does well. this does that tell you right there? It's yeah, it the does. Black. There we go. The black. Snap. You know. I've got one of those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. We've got them at the studio, and I've been sitting in them for years. But uh, here at home, I've been sitting on a hardwood chair for many years, and uh, now it's all good. Excellent. It was good before, but this is way better. Now, yeah, and, uh, I'm happy. It's like a chair, but luxury chair. It's good, good for ah. what, good for one's posture. Well, I'm glad to hear that. You must be feeling very um, properly aligned and all of that sort of thing. Yes, yes, I'm very good stuff. well aligned today. <laughs> <laughs> Gas Williams, what are you sitting on? Um. <laughs> an ikea office chair <laughs> ah good man well ikea is just down the road because uh, gaz williams is in bristol sunny bristol by the looks of it gaz oh, is a professional yeah. bass player and uh, music producer mastering engineer, all sorts of stuff anyway mm, gaz how are you mas- mastering 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 it's like i got loads of mastering work on and just as the weather's getting lovely as well so it's uh hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's that's, good. that's the it's way good. it is isn't it yeah mastering um I've got a secret weapon now, but we talk we'll about talk secrets. about that later. We got a little later. secret weapons thing later. Yes, yeah, so but, excellent, yeah, nice okay. tease, nice tease. You're getting mm. the hang of it. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> not that you're not. Of course you're not. Anyway, well, let's start off uh, things rolling. Um, I think the first thing I was going to look at was. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Let's play this. This is uh, a, a video posted by. Perfect Circuit Audio, a dealer in the States. Look at that. DX100. Nice. Analog Solutions Polymath. That is... It's got It's got the look of a an 8-track video cassette, a VHS recorder, and a synthesizer, and one of those kind of early Binatone hi-fis. I'm, li- I'm liking the look. Anyway, this is the new Paraphonic Analog Modular, uh, which does look great. And uh, this was a video that they posted. Um, Analog Solutions, I believe, are an English company, right? I think they're based in the UK. Uh, I hope I've got that right. I, I always yeah. get it wrong. There's Analog Solutions and Analog Systems. Mm, and, uh, well, anyway. Analog Solutions are UK, yeah. Hooray. Thank you, Robbie. So, um, tempted? Um, oh, well, I, I've, I've looked are. at that for a long while. That was on that was on the radar when I was thinking about getting Eurorack, and, and I just thought, no, I'm just going to go the whole hog. 
So, um, as you know, I'm I'm on a no analog gear thing at the moment. Ooh. So that's definitely that's definitely not on the radar for me. No, it does look nice. I mean, it's it's again, it's one of the. It's got four VCOs. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I think I've got some. Um, some screenage here. So if we go to my screenshot, uh, we've got four VCOs, uh, multi-mode VCF, audio input, two LFOs, two ADSRs, eight-step analog sequencer, arpeggiator, poly mode, which is paraphonic, uh, unison mode, mm, with mega fatness, ring modulator, sample and hold, all the usual kind of stuff, and a carry handle. But it's got that kind of luggage thing that I just love. Can Can I ask a question then? Um, can you define exactly what paraphonic means? Uh, paraphonic means multiple oscillators going through the same VCA and VCF. So basically you don't get individual note envelopes for each time you press. It all shares the same VCA. So if you if you were playing, say, a velocity-sensitive instrument and you played three notes and then the fourth note you played really quietly because it was velocity-sensitive, everything would go quiet. It wouldn't just be that note. So, you know, that's a kind of... Uh, would mm-hmm. you agree, Rich? You're 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 probably more versed in the analog modular sales <laughs> than I am <laughs> from your past. Oh, I don't know what they I don't know what they mean by that. So I can't say for sure whether what you just said is I can't speak to that at all. Ah, okay. Well, just let's just assume I'm absolutely spot on then and know everything, <laughs> <laughs> just for the sake of argument. <laughs> I was I was there anyway. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Yeah. So it basically means, Gaz, that um, you can play notes simultaneously. So four VCOs, you could get four voices out of it. Uh, assuming yeah. you patched it up correctly and had the right control and what have you. So, yeah. In fact, there is quite a lot of stuff coming out at the moment for controlling multiple oscillators and playing them polyphonically. I think Mutable Instruments have got one, uh, which uh, currently our um, other modular um, reviewer, Ed, is looking at. So we're going to take a look at that. Uh, and also there's something from Future Retro, I believe, which is a rack mount, which I'm, I'm quite interested in this. It takes MIDI in signal and then splits the notes out and you can have them assigned as however you want. And so you could probably use something like that to go along with it. I don't know. I'm getting really excited by the thought of modular again. I've got, in fact, I've just got. Um, what do we get? This, this. Ju- I bought the Intelligel Atlantis. I just, I couldn't resist it. I <laughs> know. <sighs> you know. I mean, I know you all think I get it for nothing, but it's not true. I do. I very kindly have had a couple of modules sent um, through suit, from Suit and Tie Guy, dot com and dot mix, which are a little utility modules, which are very useful. I'm going to review those later. But I've just been sent this, which is. Uh, I better say what it is. I can't. Don't think I can pronounce it. I haven't had a chance. Jadonla, and this is a um, CV hertz volts to uh, volt octave, so it's for for taking signals and uh, and going say between uh, a Moog MS an MS20 Korg MS20 and standard Eurorack stuff, and it's got two channels and it goes in both directions. So that's next for review, and they very kindly also sent a um, a little malt, which. I'm probably not going to review because it's just a malt, but is, they're always useful, yeah. these things. But that's, So that's a five, six-way malt. Is nice. that plastic or metal? It's plastic, It's um, but it's a, a special kind of plastic. It's laser-etched, apparently. Oh. Um, so now I, I've, I've got quite a lot of malts but, and, and um, what have you, but they are incredibly useful in that situation, especially if you're going to be doing polyphonic uh, oscillator triggering. But anyway, so... Mm. You know, uh, yeah, it's not cheap. This it's um, what did it work out? I think there's a price list, a price on here somewhere. Yeah, that's at the bottom. Four thousand two hundred thirty-six bucks, two thousand three hundred ninety-nine. Uh, I guess in dollars, you're probably getting a bum deal just purely because it's um, you know the the trade thing and it's got to be shipped over. I know, Rich. I know that you've just recently taken um, t- fallen in love with your Artoria microbrew. This is 
And this has got some modular patching in there. You're going to get a little buddy to play with. You've got to you've got to get some 3.5 mil adapter jacks, obviously, to to talk to each other. But surely you can't stop there. Um. No, I was a little uh, surprised by the price of this thing. Actually, yeah, but, uh, it sounded great, but it's very expensive. And uh, no, I'm not likely to buy one. But in addition to the micro brute, which I have here in love, I also now have set up the electron analog keys. Ah, right. So you right got time to, to look here. at it. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing around with it, and it's fun. What'd I enjoy you, it. What do uh, you think of the sound? It sounds good. I don't. I, I'm getting used to the way they want you to operate it, and that's fine. But I don't ah. love <laughs> editing sounds in that window, and I kind of knew I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair point. Well, that's a very. Uh, that, I think. Uh, I think the thing about it is, you know, it, it doesn't sound like, say, a Moog or whatever. It's definitely got quite an ambient vibe to it, hasn't it? It's got a sort of. A, a, it encourages you to throw things into the effects because they're so big and vast and ambient. I think it. Well, I've managed to get some very thick, like moogie kind of sounds. Oh, uh, the okay. Keys. The waveforms uh, do sound good. Yeah, this I think I'm. I, I I do totally agree with what Rich was saying about the the whole kind of uh, approach with the little screen honey analog keys and the knobs. And you said Nick as well. You said you had you turn the wrong knob quite often. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's it. it what it does ah. is there's that. Excuse me, I've just stripped off. It's getting a bit hot in here. Um, it's talking about synthesizers that does it. Uh, yeah, there's for some reason there's an offset. It makes me. I keep reaching for one across. I don't know if you found the same thing, but yeah, I have found exactly the same thing. But I just wondered if, um, and I wonder if the chat room can help out here. I was wondering if, and, and this would apply to the Analog 4, Electron Analog 4 as well. I was just wondering if anyone's done really comprehensive um, either, you know, mapping for it for a hardware or for software. Oh, I don't know. I just, it's a good you idea. It's uh, definitely mm. a good idea. Um, Mark Tinley, I can see a room, a space for a synthesizer like that in your house. I just think it would go with, you know... With what it's you've funny, got going on, uh, we just put an, we just put an offer in on a house and we're buying oh, no. it apparently. Ah, <laughs> so so we're going to have a great big new space for putting things in. Um, I can't. Uh, I'm not going to spend that much money on a, no, it's on a, lot. a modular synth. And and given that the whole topic shifted to the analog keys instead of this, I love the way the analog keys sound because. Sorry. <laughs> sounds, it sounds like a cross between a wasp and a prophet to me, the analog keys. It's got that kind of both the gnarliness and the sort of soft metallic smoothness of that. So the gnarliness of the wasp and the soft metallic smoothness of the prophet. And you can go in some really nice areas on it. Um, I'm, st I, I'm still building things with computers. So building my computer setup and moving from Mac to PC. Yeah, that's going to take um, up a lot of your time, isn't it? I mean, it's bound to a whole workflow. I kind of got it. I've got it somewhere where I, where it's working for me. And there's so many good modular kind of uh, software things that I can play around with with just a laptop and headphones. That you know, I mean, I think it's the Meccano of it that makes it exciting, isn't it? The, the like the modules and nuts and bolts and the bits and pieces. I think. Yeah. It's yeah, a sty I, it's a stylish boutique product, isn't it? That, maybe I you could know. sell all my I could sell all my motorcycles and then get into building yeah, things with nuts, you things could. With nuts and bolts. Then I can't kill myself if I, I can't run into a car on a 
on a, on a modular synth, can you? That's true, and the voltage range is much lower. Um, so, <laughs> well, anyway, if you want one, you can head over to. You can either get it from um, uh, directly from Perfect Circuit Audio in the UK, in the US, or um, you know, get Analog Solutions and find a dealer. And um, I'm sure that it, I, I imagine they're not rolling. You know, they haven't got warehouses full of them. You probably have to pre-order or something. But I, I won't. Uh, I won't be held on that. But anyway, if uh, if you fancy it, then go for it. Uh, it does lead to another topic, which was. Um, I think actually maybe what we'll do is we'll go to the backup thing next because then we can come back to the secret weapon. Uh, um, but the backup thing was kind of interesting, just purely. I found this on um, this was actually on Eric Persing's uh, uh, Facebook because he posted something the other day about uh, just going out for a walk and bumping into Justin Bieber wearing a horse, which was really surreal. But anyway, this is this is a new so- new Sony tape format and it smashes the storage record you can get 185 terabytes of data on one cartridge here and uh you know it's quite um it's it's quite it is uh, quite uh, timely because you know at the moment we've got uh, a lot of video editing to do. We've had a lot of people in filming stuff. There'll be some great stuff coming up, and so we're moving around these enormous amounts of data and thinking about backups and what have you. And uh, um, there's there's two things that threads to this topic really, which is one, you know, tape is it a viable thing? I mean, I think the transfer speeds are going up now, but then B, you know, perhaps what your backup strategies are and any stories you might have uh, to tell, perhaps Robbie. <laughs> oh dear, my, my nightmare last week. It was like the worst day, the darkest day of my studio career. It was horrendous because, I mean, like, like, like I said in the email, I, I, have, I think I've got a very sussed backups plan. I have, I've got my system drive on an SSD, I've got an audio hard drive, a samples hard drive, and, an, uh, and another hard drive in my Mac. And, one's, you know, and the other one's for updaters. I keep a whole catalogue of all the latest updaters. And then I've got an external set of these drives that are rack-mounted, these Lassie ones, which are identical sizes, which I super-duper every day. And then I've got another set of portable ones, which I super-duper once a week and leave somewhere else not in the house. Right. Um, right. I, I, w- I went for rehearsals last week, and I'd done two days of loads of work on the set. And I was, it was like about six in the morning I finished, and I thought, oh, I won't, I won't do the super-duper today. It was literally the first time I haven't done it in about five years. I religiously do it every day. Came back from rehearsals two days later, went to do some changes that we we needed to do, and there was this horrible clicking noise, and the, and literally the drive just failed. Oh Jesus! <laughs> the only time I've had one of those fail is like a Velociraptor brand, you know, only a month and a half old drive, and I suddenly thought, that's it, I haven't got the backup because I didn't do the super duper. That's it. That's the end of all that all that work. Oh, man. So um, I, f- I did find a program called Disk Drill, which actually, although the drive wouldn't mount, it would it would extract data off it. Oh, so, um, so it wasn't totally screwed. It was just the... No, so it was fantastic. It worked, and it got everything off the drive eventually after a very long scan time. But, um, yeah, it was just that whole thing of I have that in place, and the one time, literally, I never do it is the one time it decided to die. So have you thought so, about have you thought about using tape for just a great big sort of you know other repository where you can leave stuff because we've used tape in the past and it's uh, you know it is a bit of a faff. I mean I guess I mean when you work like you say when you've got a lot of projects and a lot of back projects that you never know when somebody's going to ask you to come back to it and do stuff. Um, you know even if you've got like three sets of drives like I've got for all your kind of that 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 stuff is basically a year's worth of work at a time. You know, I can fit on it. 
I guess for all those projects that back up and back up in terms of, excuse the pun, for years and years, it would be great to have something that was reliable with mass storage. But I've I just never found anything that, you know, fitted the bill. Perhaps this is it. Because I suppose, you know, you've got all of those drives lying around. But I mean, you know, say drives from five years ago, do you still spin, yeah. spin them up every once in a while to yeah. make sure that they're OK? Yeah. I mean, you do that, don't you? You do that every few months. I, I do that. But I, I've had them fall off the radar as well. And then you've got all these different formats, haven't you? You've got all these drives, some with Firewire, some with Thunderbolt, or, you know, with USB, some with all these different things. You've got to keep all the power supplies for all these different types of drives. Um, so I just took, I, I actually took them all out of their cases and just got one of those icebox things, which just allows you to slot a SATA drive straight into it. Yeah. So I've yeah. just got a box full of all these SATA drives in cases now that I can go to. Is that the four bay icebox? Because I was thinking about getting one of those because we've literally just um, got some uh, eSATA cards for the Mac Pro here. Because we we have to when we're moving kind of projects, you know, like for instance, if we're filming here, we have got f- six cameras maybe in a screen, which is a ridiculously large amount of data plus a switch. That's you know for a day's filming that could be a hundred gigs plus easily, and you know moving nice. that over USB, <laughs> you know, just yeah. Forget. I mean, I've got just a two. I've just got a two port one. It allows you to copy between two drives that you slot in directly, or you can link it out to the computer to move stuff around. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it's the age-old thing, isn't it? You just worry. You put all your eggs in these baskets and wonder how long they're going to last. Yeah, no, it's a tricky one. I know, Gaz, I mean, if you're doing mastering and what have you, I suppose you're, the, the amount of data that you're dealing with is not massive because, you know, it's the final end of the project rather than all the project files generally so but i mean you know you must generate a bunch of stuff yourself what are you using now i mean would you use tape i mean because these things apparently will do uh the the transfer speed is actually 300 gigs a second now or 300 megabits a second you know so you can get megabytes a second you can get a decent amount in and out of them fairly quickly Hmm. no i don't think i think I, i i think tape is one format that i've abandoned now for good i think I think <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I've been. Uh, I I came very close to going to the Gobbler system, ah. which they they had a sale on uh, recently that was uh, enormous savings. But that's ended now, so oh, not sure now. I'll wait until the next sale, maybe. But Gobbler, obviously, that's gonna use up your internet bandwidth. I suppose your upload while it's working away. Uh, but it's quite a nice idea to have it somewhere outside of your house, especially for your most precious files. Um, I use, uh, I think this is something I would like to see what everyone else does in this situation. Um, when you've got stuff on a hard drive backed up and it's quite a big project and then you do some work on that project, uh, and then you want to back it up again. Really, all you want to save on the backup is the changes from the previous version. How does everyone do that? I mean, I've got a little piece of software called Delta Walker, which compares... Mm. That's the way. I mean, that's. I mean, the the way that we do it here, for instance. But this isn't on the audio side. I've got a uh, a program on the PC called GoodSync, which allows you to sync left or right, or but both bi-directional, just compares dates and sizes, and just kind of goes right there these two drives are now identical or well, yeah, all the new stuff has gone over everything that's changed goes on to the b drive because why we're, isn't it 
Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Carry on, carry on. We always run a pair of drives, you know, so at all times, you know, inside the Mac Pro, there's the work drive and then there's a work B drive, which is now, because we bought, we found a, a, um, a Sonic PCI uh, card, which would run it externally, a three gigabyte one externally. It just syncs that up. So every day there's two drives. So, I mean, that, that's the way to do it. Why isn't yeah. it built into the operating system, though? It's a that's very good question. operating system to do. I just want to go... I want the difference between this folder and this folder. I want, and I want this folder to, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, you think that would make sense to be on the on on a, on the on an I OS use, level? Um, I use Carbon Copy Cloner. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. good. And then when you when you, it, so and then I have a workspace drive, and then I clone it to an image, and then if I change anything in the image, when you clone again, it uh, it moves. Anything that's deleted go it gets moved into another folder and anything so anything so if you record something new with the same name, it'll move the old version to uh, a folder with the date and time of when you did the backup on it. So it kind of incrementally backs up. So you've got like your folder your with this with the session in it, and then you've got a history of changes, which that's quite useful. Yeah, I mean it that's that, that's well. actually a good strategy, isn't it? Because you end up with, you know, you mm. don't want if you've worked on a session when you sync it up, and then maybe the day after you realise that you actually screwed up and you need to go back and you hadn't saved a, a reverse a revert copy, then you've effectively overwritten it unless you've got history written stuff, haven't you? So, yeah. yeah. How often? And is that a daily? Do you do that at the end of every session? That carbon copy clone. No, I, I do, do on Friday at two o'clock. <laughs> I do super duper every day. It's the same thing every day. Yeah, well, same. It's the same thing. But I mean, what's it called, Robbie? Thing like super duper. I, I, do, I do super duper, which is another one. It will make a boot drive. It's exactly like carbon copy cloner. But the great thing is, like you're saying, is when you when you back up, it just sees what's been what's been added on the, your drive you're backing up to, and so it just copies the new files. Um, right. So. The thing where that really comes into its own is like when you've got a samples hard drive and because quite often these samples get put into libraries within folders within folders when you install them. So you can't use the traditional method of dragging them, dragging files from one drive to another to try and keep two samples hard drives the same. But if you use super duper, it'll literally just, just find all the new files and put them all into the right place, you know, if even if that's folders within folders, etc. Mm. Can you so, do you ske- yeah. Can you schedule that then as well to do that? Um, right. You can do, but I just like to I just like to plug them in one at a time and do it myself. Yeah. So, Rich, yeah. I'm guessing uh, you know you've got obviously got a fairly serious backup routine as well. Um, I know how you feel about putting some of this stuff in the cloud, but what about tape? Is that something? Do you use? Tape? I can't remember whether you said you use tape. For years, um, AIT tapes were our backup storage medium of choice and retrospect was my software of choice yeah, and I, I used AIT one and I used AIT two and I used AIT two turbo. And then all of a sudden retrospect decided to update their software to a point where it would no longer read your existing catalog <gasps> files yeah. and Ow. would then insist on recreating them from the source tapes, uh, which takes forever yeah. and never seems to fully work. Yeah. So I am now saddled with huge amounts of data on tapes that I am not looking forward to having to restore if I ever do have to restore. However, the vast majority of our work is still existent on hard drives. And the current strategy is everything is – all hard drives exist in pairs – 
And there are always mirrors being kept between those yeah. of the drives so that now for uh, my purposes, I use software called Synchronize Pro X for this. Um, and while I'm working, I will or, you know, certainly at the end of the day, uh, update that drive pair. So or at least the folder I was working on within that drive pair so that the drives continue to mirror each other. And every now and again, I'll mirror the whole drive. Uh, just to be safe. And then in addition to that, as a third copy, I now run a RAID array, which uh, is a RAID 5, 6 terabytes worth of storage space and 2 terabytes for free to keep everything running smoothly. Of course, I'm on my third one, which is not necessarily the most secure feeling in the world for your ultimate backup system. But that gets uh, backups of those other audio drive pairs as well as my sound library drive. Mm. So inside my, inside my main <clears throat> computer, there's the system uh, SSD, which gets backed up to Time Machine. And we used to make clones using the Apple OS. Now I'm using Carbon Copy Cloner. Yeah, the Apple OS doesn't work if you make disk images, by the way. <laughs> I didn't even, I never made disk <laughs> images, but I used to use the restore function to make disk bootable clones. And for some reason, I don't seem to be able to do that now. Mm. And so I actually pulled a copy of Carbon Copy Cloner down uh, and bought it and uh, used it, and I haven't actually tested the result yet. But um, I have a time machine backup of the, of the system drive in any case at all times. I have a sound libraries drive, which is backed up to the RAID, and I have two audio drives, which are mirrors of each other. And then externally, any audio drives have mirrored uh, pair, are in mirrored pairs so that I can keep things current between them. And are you using um, eSATA for any of that stuff? Because, I mean, that seems to be the, one of the fastest ways to copy. I yeah, mean, I think it, I have the RAID drive on the eSATA, and um, I have something else plugged into the other eSATA drive, but I think it's just a drive that, for some other purpose. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that they use RAID drives in the, in the chat room, and, and, and that's all well and good, but I, I must admit there's one thing you've got to watch out with RAID drives. Um, it's quite easy if you've got a mirrored pair, if you don't get the right RAID enclosure or the RAID controller, what happens is um, the the synchronization data is written onto the drives. So if one of the drives goes down, you can't actually get the data. It's just, it's, it's just, yeah, that's one system that we had. And it's just like, well, okay, so one drive's gone and I can't see the other one because the... Yeah, because of the, the, the data is spanned. Yeah, it's, it was it was really nasty and messy. So now I always tend to work in, in mirrors purely because if you've got an A, by, a drive and a B drive, you work, you work, you work, you work. At the end of the day, you can choose to sync, and you might think, actually, I'm not going to sync that part of the project because I want to keep a separate, I want to keep a, a yesterday's copy of everything apart from this. You know, So you've got a bit more flexibility. It does cry, require more interaction, but uh, ultimately you, it, it's it's more failure-proof, I guess. Mm. I've got well, a thing called a terror station. Terror I've got sta a thing called ah, a terror that's station. That's a NAS drive, isn't it? Like, it's a RAID drive. It's got four different... Yeah, it's, it's network-attached storage. <clears throat> but it's got four disks in it, and you can take one of the disks out, and it will then... And, in other words, you, uh, let's make that clearer. I can take a disk out and replace it with a formatted blank one, and it will recreate across those four drives what was there before. And you can take any one of those four disks out, and it will recreate the data. So it's, and I think it's RAID five that it's formatted yes. to. So it's, it, so it's because it's across four disks, it gives it the redundancy, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, extra redundancy, parity yeah, or something. And now I'm getting a bit lost. 
But I, I do know that I can pull a drive out and put a fresh one in and it will just recreate itself from from the data that's there. So if one of those drives right. fails, you just keep swapping them out and it'll always recreate yeah, unless they... Swap it out. It'll right. always recreate it. Until you run out of space, then you've got to start again. Well, As yeah. you say, Rich, you know, you're on your third one. They start to get expensive when you've got to buy drives in fives, isn't it? Just as, No, I don't mean third drive. I mean my third entire raid system. That's what I mean, uh, yeah. But, and... As of the last time they were replacing it, I said to them, tell me the truth. Do these things actually work? Because I've had two of them fail inside of a period of a year, and it's in a climate-controlled closet never getting moved. So I can't imagine a more hospitable environment for these things to be operating <laughs> in. How come I'm on my third one? Yeah, well, maybe. In what right did they say? Oh, yeah, they work. This is very, very strange. This has never happened before, blah, 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 you know. And uh, that's why I'm still using it. But And uh, this one has worked is longer longer than either of the first two did. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's encouraging. That's encouraging, yes, <laughs> I know. We really should have a sponsor that's to do with backup and data, data stuff because, I mean, all of us, most of our listeners are going to be in, running into these sort of things. And, and for a lot of them, something like Gobbler or one well, of the online storage systems, or you could actually get an Amazon Drive as well where it just basically just – fires everything up and i guess with audio it's likely i mean video it's perhaps not so uh, feasible because you're generating larger amounts of data generally speaking but um, but to get to a larger point about this there is no real good long-term solution for this stuff that i've found or that anybody has su suggested to me there literally isn't one and i think we are existing in a period of history where there could be an enormous hole in the recorded history of our time because who's going to be able to read any of this stuff in 50 years? Yeah, I know. that's yeah, true enough. I guess like what... Water, isn't it? It's just like, you, 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 it just seems like every few years you go, oh, crap, right, this, is going to, this is all going to fall apart, I'll put it all on this, and then you just, just you're forever just sort of offloading it, desperately trying to keep it, keeping it viable to come back to. I've got a USB grave engraver coming next week that you take t stone tablets and it engraves all the data <laughs> <in> really <laughs> and, then, and then you you put them in the garden like great like cemetery slabs but they're actually all your data it's like barcode like yeah. granite like, barcode right yeah that's a great idea oh, yeah the, <laughs> no uh, I, I haven't got that really no, human but, genome but it's interesting. <laughs> it is interesting i mean what we need is a backup system that works like this so i've got my data here then all the changes are saved on a separate medium. So I save only the differences in the data. So the, the, the bulk of it, like the audio files, so if I'm doing destructive edits or project files. So then I've got, you know, your, my, it's almost like the metadata is separate from the actual data. I can back up the, the actual data and the metadata is the stuff that's ever changing. So you could end up with much smaller changing amounts of data that would then restore back to, um, you know, little bits of audio files or whatever. I mean, it just seems like there, there's... Well, so the the really simple solution to that would be if the the workstation in the audio folder just created a file with a date and basically you only so you create a whole new set of audio files for your session in a separate folder each time you open the session i know it's going to get slightly confusing but no, it would still get wrong. <laughs> it is. It's just, it, it, as we've talked to you about before, you know, a lot of what we do as uh, sort of creative people in the digital domain is IT management. And this is a ex perfect example of that what really I, thing. 
I looked on Wikipedia because I was thinking, what's a petabyte? And I think a petabyte is 1,024 terabytes, isn't it? Because I was going back to the topic, the yeah. Sony thing, <laughs> yeah. that, that stores 148 terabytes. So uh, to store a petabyte, you'd need about 10 tapes, wouldn't you? Nine yeah. or 10 tapes. And when I looked up petabyte on Wikipedia, I scrolled down and it said, uh, Google processes 24 petabytes of data, or process 24 petabytes of data a day in 2009. So that's like two, 200 tapes or something of those Sony tapes of data every day. Yeah, and, and that was in 2009. Uh, BBC's iPlayer uses seven petabytes of bandwidth every month. And it's so like they're backing this stuff up, but how are we going to get it? When are we going to get it back? Or will we ever need to get it back? Or well, who, who would ever be able I mean, to watch everything that's ever been on the BBC? It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, worth It's worth mentioning, though, that current technology, uh, which is LTO tapes, uh, which are, I spotted some here, they'll do uh, 2.5 terabytes native or 6.25 compressed. Uh, they're about 2,000 pounds for a drive and then you get a um you, a tape is about 50 quid so it's not actually that different to i think i used ait or whatever it was before i've been through several systems um so yeah it, it's it's still a, an expensive business i mean like all um, these things the rule of thumb's got to be hasn't it i mean i i've just now stripped everything to audio and never leave anything anything running as anything live there's one right. thing bringing back audio it's going to be another thing bringing back any of these other Exactly. instrument yeah, plug plugins anything else you know it's you know it's Absolutely. the only thing the only way of having any chance of bringing anything back is to do that print it but yeah, theoretically it. once you've got a working system you if you had the money you would duplicate the hardware yeah. and you'd put it in Possible. a little box somewhere and put Possible. it away and then if you ever need to come back to that you've got you know yeah. you'd load you'd get the entire system out they, the whole system needs to be the backup yeah. not just the data uh, I think Rich is agreeing there. Therein is the uh, U2 story. Apparently, at the end of every album, they take everything they used to make it, put it on pallets, wrap it in plastic, and store it in a warehouse. Perfect. Wow. Perfect. Well, like, uh, to what degree? Hard. Well, I haven't been there for this process, but that's how it was described to me. Wow. Okay. Well, I suppose the whole you... computer that derives everything. Everything yeah. you use. I mean, use... it makes perfect sense to do that. It, it's sort of. I mean, the amount of things where I've gone to load sessions, old sessions from like 1993 or four or five or whatever, and then I've gone, oh, God, I can't actually load this. So then I've had to go on eBay and source all the stuff. So I went out and bought um, a really old Mac and a sample cell card and I had to get hold of the Pro Tools interface, <laughs> a really old one and sample everything. Cell. Just so, I, uh, so I've got sample cell. I paid five pounds for it, by the way. Nice. Put that in perspective. <laughs> I paid quite and a lot for still mine. Doesn't, it still didn't work properly. It was really ropey. Oh, <laughs> man. That's an interesting... There's got to be a service which just can recreate a kind of typical system from 19-something or other, you know, so you just get... Because with virtualization, surely there must be... Oh, well, I, it, it's very... I think we're probably getting a little bit <laughs> carried away there. Sorry, Brett, you wanted to come in. Well, I've just refreshed some sessions that we did between 1999 and 2002 uh, so that they could be properly accessed and worked on today. And that took some doing, although almost everything has been always in audio for us because I saw this coming years ago. So uh, that part wasn't difficult, but it took some doing to get all of these things playing and, and current. 
Yeah. And then of course you can't get hold you can't get hold of the old versions of the software. So unless you keep all your installers, if something goes wrong with that machine and you want to reinstall something, try find I've got a PC now. So I've gone back to the PC. I've got a legal version of Logic. So I've got Logic Platinum on one of those blue eMagic keys, but I can't find an installer for it. If I want to load uh, if I, I've got a, an installer for Logic 5 for the PC, but apparently if you try and run 5.5 on a 64-bit system, it doesn't work. So the suggestion is to go back to 5.2 or 5.3, I think. But where am I going to get that disk from? I, do, I don't have it. Mm. And it, there's no manufacturer website with that anymore. So I sort of, I've got the nice dongle, but I can't run the program. Oh, oh. my heart bleeds for you. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing. Anyway, we should probably move on. We've got an advert and a competition to, um, to do and everything. So uh, talk amongst yourselves while I uh, run the ad. So I'm pressing the button, and it usually takes a little while to get started. We want to say thank you very much to Isotope for... Uh, Sponsoring the show, uh, this what you're seeing here is uh, Isotopes RX3. Of course, uh, it's the fastest, easiest way to repair and restore audio. Massive suite of very, very useful tools. Uh, includes removing or reducing reverb from vocals, instruments, or more using the revolutionary D-reverb module. You can also, if you want, uh, increase the uh, the reverb too, of course. Clean up dialogue on the fly with Dialogue Denoiser. New audio standard for real-time dialogue treatment. Very useful for video and of that kind of stuff. If you want to reduce some of the room sounds. In fact, I heard a clip on the radio this morning of a footballer in a changing room. And I thought, why didn't they use D-reverb on it? It would have sounded so much better. Anyway, monitor your audio and loudness compliance using Insight. Spectral repair, denoise, declip, declick, decrackle, and more. You can pinpoint far problems faster. Uh, also, the workflow in RX3 is greatly enhanced. Uh, we did a great uh, piece with um, Matt Hines, uh, who showed us the tabbed browsing, the multiple versions of documents, all of that kind of stuff. Just go and get one. Uh, RX3, isotope.com forward slash RX um, will get you a demo. But we've also got a competition winner. If you've been following the show for the past uh, few weeks, you'll know that uh, Isotope have been sponsoring the show. And in fact, last week, uh, they also they gave away a copy of Isotope RX3, and what you had to do was uh, tweet the, um, let me see, no more noise hashtag, uh, and you tweet that to uh, Sonic Nick and Isotope Inc., and we have a winner from last week, and the winner is someone called Passius, who's their Twitter handle, so it is a Twitter only, I'm afraid. So, uh, Passius, if you're listening, uh, I will try and contact you via Twitter as well. The Isotope Ferry will be coming your way and dropping a little bundle of joy into your email inbox, so you can now enjoy RX3. Uh, and we've got another competition this week. And the competition is the uh, same again. Basically, you need to be on Twitter. Uh, you need to tweet out Isotope RX3. Uh, you need to tweet out the hashtag RX3 D-Reverb. And you send that to uh, at Sonic Nick and at Isotope. So just send that out. You can send that. Any other comments are also welcome. We always like to see comments over Twitter. Uh, it's even, it's, it, honestly, it's well worth even just signing up for Twitter just for the competition because the odds are pretty good. So remember, you have to tweet out RX3 D-Reverb at Sonic Nick at Isotope Inc. And I have a little uh, search monitoring and I get a big list of everybody who's there. I take a random number from randomnumbergenerator.org and uh, count up from the bottom and that's the person that wins. And this week it was, as I say, at Passius. So thank you very much to Isotope for uh, sponsoring the show as ever. <clears throat> Right, uh, back into uh, into real in, into the rest of the show. Um, let me see what's the next one. Um, ah, secret weapons. 
this was kind of interesting. Um, there, was a, there was a thread on Reddit, which is... Uh, a great source. This is Reddit Synthesizers. The Synthesizers Reddit, and uh, the basically the question was, "What is your um, what's your secret weapon?" Very simple. And uh, there's some really good ones in here. Uh, I thought perhaps I mean, it doesn't have to be to do with Synthesizers, but you know, the, obviously we don't have everybody giving trade secrets away. But there's there's usually a little something that you just kind of think, "Oh, that usually does it for me." And there's some really great tips in here that I found actually. Uh, this one was particularly good. This is by uh, Mixer Tech Roland Juno pads overdubbed a few times, at least three, sometimes up to nine sounds. Oh, I probably shouldn't say that. Huge. So best used sparingly for emphasis. I like that one. And there was another one a bit further down. Uh, there we go. Uh, all his bass patches are done with a high-pass filter with the, reson- res- the resonance up. And I don't know if uh, this is... It's quite a common synthesis trick. You take a high-pass filter, you peak the resonance, and you get a massive sort of spike of resonance. And if you could get that to track, then you get... a, a- a lot of sub um, in there as well if you need them. And uh, the other one that was good, uh, using an LFO set up to sample and hold and then modulate the rate of another LFO set to a traditional wave shape and then use that to, uh, to for sort of subtle variations. I, I liked all of those. I thought they were they were some really nice ones on the synthesis side. So um, there's a few there. So um, I will go over to our panel now. Uh, Mark, did you have any secret weapons that you tend to... Uh, obviously, you know, if it's top secret, then you best keep it for yourself. But... Uh, Anything you care to share? Um, don't EQ anything when you're recording it unless it's got something really wrong with it. Um, so stacking vocals, I think that's one of my secret weapons. If I'm doing choruses, I record like, I don't know, 30 goes at the same thing all on top of each other with absolutely no EQ on it at all and then just top and tail it, cut it in really tight and any of the room ambience and all the other kind of crap that goes on the recording makes it sound nice and sort of ambient and big and fat and uh stack you know do the pans starting in the middle and then spreading okay, out yeah. as you record more and more of them and do different voices so you're doing like ah and ah and stuff <laughs> and ah and ah <laughs> and e and ooh and ah that's a great tip, Mark. Thank you very much. That's a top one. It's fast to do, and it and it makes for like these big stacks of really powerful vocals. Well, I'm sure you know, in, in, certainly in American productions, which are renowned for their excellence in vocal uh, pro, um, in vocal recording and building up. You know, there is a sort of uh, a, a tradition of that, and that's probably something similar to what I they do. The t- I mean, I suppose the tip really is avoid tinkering with things when you're recording them because it really it hampers the creative process to spend a lot of time playing around trying to get the sound right so if you've got an idea run with the idea and just record 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 it doesn't it doesn't matter what vocal sound you get on the way down because the stuff we've got in digital audio workstations the eq we've got available to us now is so powerful that you can probably fix most things unless you stand next to like a I don't know, building site recording, but theoretically, if you're in a relatively quiet space, plug the mic in and run with that. What, what you feel. Yeah, very good. Very get good, very get good. on with it. Very, yeah, get on. That's a very very good piece of advice there, Mark. Oh, no, Rich, I, I'm guessing you know some of yours are probably classified, but uh, there must be one or th- two things you can share. It's just, I don't think in terms of tips. I think Mark's point about seeding to the creativity at all times is really useful. And I was going to make some kind of vague point about being musical in your application of these things. But I, 
you know, and yes, stacking vocals is something we do a lot. Of. There's just a million things I do that I don't think are all that special that I assume everybody knows about. So I'm not quite sure what ends up being a tip. And I keep changing the way I do things. So I guess my, and what I've learned from that is that it still ends up sounding like me. Um, right. No okay. matter what I've used. So um, I don't know if that's a tip or an observation, but uh, be yourself, be musical, seed to the creative process and uh, support the artistry going on around you. That's all sage words and good advice. Thank you very much. That's great. Gaz, I know you wanted to uh, come in on this topic because uh, you mentioned it earlier. So um, fire away. Okay. There's going to be a bunch of rapid secret tips. Okay. Uh, one of which is <laughs> mic your studio monitors with an SM57 and then play out your guitar mod, uh, you, you know, your guitar stuff that you recorded uh, directly through something like a pod or whatever. Play it out through the speakers and mic the speakers with a 57. <laughs> I know it sounds like a lot of hassle, but it's interesting. It just sort of, it just seems just to sort of make the recording sound more like a... A real thing. Real thing. Yeah, it's a really simple thing. I do a lot of things. I, I mic the speakers quite a lot. When uh, when I'm I, I, midi schmidi, I call when I think something sounds like midi. It sounds it just doesn't sound real. I just play it out the speakers and mic this, and the distance I mic the speakers away from has a big effect on that as well. You know, oh, interesting. Uh, mm, I do it a lot. I've done it for years. That it's, uh, um, but I don't I don't know that many people do that. So. Um, Which speaker do you mic, the top or the bottom? <laughs> or the mid? Uh, yeah, when I'm doing the guitar, I, I, I get away from the tweeter as much as possible anyway and sort of um, and try and treat the speaker like, as I would mic in a guitar amp a little bit, you know, but angle them, angle it. But if you use a 57 anyway, you know, Gonna that dial it off plenty, attenuates it? a bit of the top anyway, yeah. So, uh, but definitely explore that if you're recording guitars and feeling that they're sounding like, you know, dead, dead or model, you know, it feels. Uh, the other thing is a mastering thing. And uh, um, I won't mention who I use and I'll keep that secret. But what I've done uh, is I've, 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 I've set, I've set some music that I really no, always sounds good. Famous, you know, someone else, you know, like a commercial recording that always sounds good. And I've taken the EQ curve of it and I always import. There's a, and there's a bunch of them that I use, but I know that they always sound good. And I import them into the mastering project that I'm working on. And I can always just jump between the thing I'm working on and that. And I can import the, the the EQ curve into the soft. Well, I use ozone, and I can. Okay, so it's like a, you you import the model, the EQ model. Right, yeah. Right. So, uh, or or I set the um, the uh, on the on on the uh, spectrum analyzer. I, I set the holes to be infinite, and I play the track that I know always sounds good, and then that sets the um, that leaves like a curve so you're of, aiming for uh, to, and you can you match that underneath so that you can then so, uh, well what i do is it's all really to do with bass i look at the bass and i and i look at the way that the eq curve corresponds and then 
it's generally to do with their confidence about pushing the bass for things where you want the bass to be really juicy, you know, because these tracks I use have got great bass that just seems to translate on all systems. Mm. Uh, so it's really good. And when I listen to it on different systems, then I, I get like a smug feeling of like, yeah. <laughs> that's you know. that sound. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm, I'm going to keep my secret. The secret is I'm, is I'm going to keep who I use secret. Okay. Right. <laughs> there are definitely some tracks that have that sort of soupy kind of moist bass quality that you just think, how do you do that? I remember that there was a, there was a whole load of Gabriel recordings, which had that kind of vibe to them. Um, which were really just sort of like wow, how how does that work? But yeah, that's a, that's an interesting idea. Thank you very much, Gaz. Is uh, are you done, or do you have more? That's that's plenty, by the way. So you don't feel you have that's to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Robbie, um, with yeah. a man with such an enormous uh, array of uh, tools at his disposal. Okay. Do you have that? Uh... Oh, two right. Okay. The two things. The first one's a bit of software, which has revolutionised my studio life which is um synchro art revoice pro okay which is um it's kind of based on their you know vocal line where you could take a vocal and you could it was you it was basically designed for dubbing you know for when you want to dub one bit of dialogue to another oh, so adr but, stuff yeah yeah but what what revoice pro is fantastic for is you can take a vocal and you can take perhaps a second vocal which is you know a track and um Whereas before you could just synchronize the two together to get all the diction and the P's and the S's and T's and everything together, you can actually do tuning as well. So if you if you melodyne one vocal and get it exactly as you want, really tight and nice, um, you can then throw that into Revoice Pro with the other one you haven't done anything to, and not only will it chew, will it correct the timing to the amount you want, however close or you know inaccurate you want. But you can also get it to track the tuning, however close or inaccurate you want. Oh, that's a so neat you tip! So instantly, instantly generate very good double tracks, and then it has a doubling function. So you can then take those doubles and double them into stereo tracks, and double them again, and double them again. So, so you can. So, create... That's neat. So if yeah. I get a really good singer to sing all my songs, and they sing yeah. my songs for me and do it perfectly. And then I sing them really badly. I could get this thing to get their yeah, timing yeah. and diction and yeah, tuning exactly. in fact, in with fact, my voice. Wow. <laughs> I've had rappers Brilliant. in before, inverted commas. I've had a rapper in before who wasn't very good. And although right. I can't rap because it's the most ridiculous thing, I did redid the rap and it sounded ridiculous. But I used my timing and totally imported my timing onto his performance. Things like that. <laughs> I think I know that guy. <laughs> it's mad anyway but it's um that's my that's my favorite bit of software at the moment that's a really I'm, interesting idea because also yeah. not only that it's going to save you hours of endless tweaking oh. as well it's a brilliant, yeah, it's, brilliant it's, it's, it's magic it's it's it's, it's about 400 pounds but it's really worth if you work with vocals a lot and it's really worth getting I and can't it, is it a plug-in or is it a um uh, a, 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 a standard? It's a bit like Melodyne in that you you run your audio through it with a plug-in host in in your in your host and it kind of writes it into the program. But um, if you work with Pro Tools, you can automatically import it backwards and forwards. Um, with Logic, you just can drag the wave file straight back into the timeline. That's but it's um it's fantastic. So right. that's that's my vocal vocal tip. And Excellent. Yeah. The other thing that I do a lot now is I, um, I've got special logic setups um, where I've put, I, if I want to do a lot of processing, interesting processing, like with things like Break Tweaker or Stutter Edit or Tornado's, you know, by Sugarbytes, 
I've got this logic session with a lot of these pro with a lot of these processes already set up in them and lots of individual channels with like reverbs, delays, spreaders and all that kind of thing. And I can very easily put a bit of audio into there, chop it up and just drop it between the tracks to kind of yep. create collages of interesting things without having to Absolutely. go right to set up one of these effects and one of these effects, etc. Oh, that's interesting. Is it not, so? It would be. It's not like recalling a channel strip. It's actually more of a. Right. It's a whole whole auto load with loads of stuff loaded in. So I I, I, I go out of logic I, and take audio into it. Oh, that's a great I idea. I do exactly the same thing, and then I just cut and paste between different tracks. So I have so I have yeah. one piece of audio, and then I just chop it up into bits, and then move things up and down on different tracks, so it moves yeah. from yeah. one effect to another effect, and. Yeah. So rather than rather than have to mess around with automations or sends or anything, you just kind yeah, of exactly. got everything yeah. there that you want to do. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. It's another good tip. I I, I was going to mention. Um, put uh, an EQ on your reverb bus on your reverb send. Put an EQ after it, and then make it an easy to automate EQ one that's not too fiddly, and then automate the top end of the reverb return as you play the track. So uh, when you want the reverb to kind of have more of, of, you just map, I map it to like a, well, I use an AI knob for Cubase and then I ride that knob and it's essentially changing the top end of the reverb as an automation throughout the track. And then you can make the reverb, you can really rein it in when you don't want it to be visible or you can like really push it in the choruses and you give a big, but, you know, it feels like it. You're riding the the size of it in a way. That sounds like a great idea. I've not tried that before. Interesting. Well, these are all useful, uh, useful way. Thank you very much for giving it up, guys. That's uh, that's a, a a whole. That's almost a show in itself. So uh, yeah, thank you very much. That's brilliant. Um, I suppose uh, I don't know if we've got time for another quick topic. Um, and what did I have lined up? Is there anything in the list that anybody wanted to? Oh, oh I actually, I think we we've got two. There's the um, the Spotify Silent album. Should we do that one? Because that's just a neat bit of uh, um, bit of stuff. I like that. So I'm going to play this now. So this is. Uh, I sat down with Wolfpack to talk about potentially touring this fall. Uh, they said they'd do it under one condition that all the shows would be free. I replied, that's not a problem. Yes! Here's how it works. Wolfpack released Sleepify, the album, last week on Spotify. This album's different than our previous albums. This album's much quieter. In fact, we believe it's the most silent album ever recorded. When you listen to a Wolfpack song on Spotify, Spotify pays us a half a cent. So if you were to listen to Sleepify all night on repeat, you'd generate $4. Now here's my proposal to you. But I want it to be personal. So let's move this over to FaceTime. I'm proposing that if you stream Sleepify on repeat while you sleep every night, we will be able to tour without charging admission. And if you don't already have Spotify, for a limited time, Spotify is going to throw in 
the entire history of recorded music. Also, we're going <laughs> to... Great bit of... Uh, this is sort of... I, I'm, I'm sure this happened some time ago, but it seems to have mm. just sort of really kind of hit... It got picked up by uh, TechCrunch or The Verge, or, you know, they, and it's just it's just a great bit... Excellent, you know, promotional video agency. What a great idea. And it's, there's, there's something slightly naughty about it that I meant... Probably meant people were, like, really up for it because everybody... Fit, you know, Spotify, as we've known, you know, it's a great service if you're a listener, but perhaps if you're uh, a working musician, it doesn't feel like, you know, you're getting much back from it. You know, it's like presumably the record company is getting the license fee and the artist is actually getting, you know, half a cent per listen. That's millions and millions of listens before you start to make any cash, you know. So this was quite just, just a really idiot, but they've actually pulled it. <laughs> they wouldn't have it. They mm-hmm. said it violated the terms of service. But I just really like the idea. I mean, I remember this um, this whole thing just feels really kind of cool. In fact, it reminds me a little bit, Mark. Do you remember when um, you first came on the show? The reason you came yep. on the show is because you sort of spoofed, was it YouTube? With with uh, listens, yeah, I'd same set sort of up deal. A redirect page that was re uh, reloading. Was That's right, it was reloading, reloading it over and over. I got in the charts, hadn't I? That's right. <laughs> and then they caught me, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but there was no. I mean, the thing is, there was no cash involved in that necessarily. But in terms of sales, it generates interest. As we all know, charts work because if you see something at the top of the chart, people go, "Ooh, what's that?" You know, they just tend to. Yeah, so, exactly. so I'm guessing the same thing must have happened to Spotify. I don't know if they actually got paid. Somebody said that you know they made twenty thousand dollars. You know, which I think is kind of cool in many ways. And uh, but I guess the question I would ask is, why didn't they just make? 30 second excerpts of their actual tracks because then at least somebody might have listened to it as well but that's another point yeah. but well, they, that's why it's called sleepify though yes, isn't it yes I suppose so one of them so sleep, it, was, yeah. it had to be but uh, the good thing for me was uh, I was a big fan of uh, Wolfpack before yeah this. their stuff's great I'd, I'd never heard it before it's really ah, funky there we are you see it's it's uh, it's 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 done a fantastic amount of publicity for the band I mean it is old news now uh, in terms of you know uh, it's well, I say it's old news. It's a couple of months now, isn't it? So, um, but the band now, people know about, and it's like, wow, they've achieved that in this ta- in this day and age. I think that's the most remarkable thing about it, because it was on the BBC News website. It was all over the place, um, and like the band got exposure because they were a real kind of small band really yeah. you know like a kind of little cult little band so i'm very intrigued now to kind of keep an eye on the festival circuit to see how how like big they're going to be perceived i mean it, it's a groovy it's a groovy band and the they bass are, player yeah. Guy, yeah the bass player joe dart i, th- I think it's joe but, dart it's an all it's immense absolutely immense he's like a new hero <laughs> excellent stuff it's if sorry they're but, getting half a cent a play and they made $20,000, that's 4 million plays. So how many fans did they have to pull that off? Because News. It's the news, Mark. It was all the news, the exposure in the news. Ah, okay. Well, it depends how long it's and been it, going it on. Also, it also uh, makes you think something else as well. If Spotify play, pay musicians after 30 seconds, we, we were talking about formats a couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks ago, where we were saying that iTunes allows for an unlimited track length, doesn't it? So you could create like four hour long albums and sell them to people on iTunes, albums that you couldn't put on a physical CD. But then won't this drive musicians to create 35 second songs? Because 
if you get paid after the first 35 seconds, then why does the song need to be any longer if you're ruthless and in it for the money? <laughs> My time is money, yeah. <laughs> in this case, that's a good point. That's an interesting idea. It is an, it's, a, it's a very interesting idea. I know, Richard, are you aware of this band? I'd never heard of them, but uh, I, I checked out some of their material and they do these sort of live recording things and it's, it's very... Um, it's just really quite groovy and the sound of it is really nice. It's got a really kind of sort of retro but warm feel as well. Minimal, I think would say. You know, Rhodes and, and organ and piano and bass and, and uh, mm. what have you. Casey. Yeah. You aware of I'm it? Not, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not familiar with them. Good, good wheeze though, don't you think? Good what? A good wheeze. Uh, what's I the... didn't. I didn't hear any music associated with this topic, and maybe I just didn't do the research properly, but I thought I had researched this thing according to the link you sent. But, uh... No, so, I mean, but apart from that, I mean, in terms of the, the actual idea itself, I mean, it does two things, doesn't it? It highlights, A, the kind of ridiculous amount of royalty that you get via streaming services, as we've, we've discussed this in the past, for musicians to actually sort of generate any cash. I mean, four million, four million plays sounds low for $20,000 to me, to be honest, but... Um, that's, you know, because from what we've seen of other people publishing their royalties, but also the publicity for the band is just very creative, I thought. And, and almost like a protest album in it with, no, with no audio. <laughs> okay. I guess there's, I thought it was clever on some level, but on the other hand, I felt like somebody was picking my pocket. I mean, not that I actually listen to Spotify, but I would feel like somebody was picking my pocket. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how anybody can afford to do anything in this business anymore. So anything anybody does creatively to try to generate funding is on some level cool with me. Although in this case, you're kind of spamming the medium and apparently they got caught and were told to stop. Is that right? Yeah. So the the people who run Spotify weren't happy with this little scheme, but it's clever and it was cool. It's kind of fun, you know, Viva La Revolution and all that, you yeah. know. <laughs> I get it, but uh, I don't have a strong feeling Such about conviction. it. I know. What do you think, Robbie? It's, it's a, it, there's something kind of naughty and quite. Uh... Yeah, that's what made me laugh about the whole thing. Really, was that the whole thing? I mean, like you say, why why didn't they make it with music? Well, obviously that was the whole point, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was to prove a point, and it was kind of to be a little bit kind of naughty and subversive with the whole thing. Well, I, you know, it's um. It does. It for me, it was interesting. To, like like Gaz said, I, I didn't I didn't know about them before, so I've been to check them out since. So it did it did its job. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, yeah, hats off mm-hmm. to them. Yeah, hats off to them for that uh, lateral thinking. Yes, I think that's it. It's that as I think when we first we, probably early shows where we were kind of you know it's like how you have to become a marketing expert almost you know to 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 get anywhere you have to have a thing don't you to get noticed because there's so much of it around and so much uh, other things to to take our attention. So, but yeah, nice nice work. So uh, you can check them out at um, oh where, where have I got it now? I've lost my link. Oh, that's all a bit rubbish. Uh, no, I've lost it completely. <laughs> Excellent. I haven't done much research myself there. I thought I had a video to play of them, uh, and it was quite a groovy video. But that's probably it for this week, actually, because uh, it's time to uh, head off to um, to do the things that we have to do after work. If you're in the UK and if you're in the, the States, you probably have to go and do your, your actual work. So I'm going to say to Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. been a pleasure to have you, as ever. Um, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Always, It's always a pleasure. Super. And thank you very much, Mark Tinley. Uh, your hair is looking 
resplendent in profile there. And uh, the mic works. So that's the USB version, right? Excellent. Yeah, it's really good, actually. I mean, I just I bought it off eBay secondhand, £20. Nice. That's the way to do it. I plugged it in and it just works. And I, I just, I don't know, there's something about that, isn't there? I mean, rather than dragging all of these power supplies and valve things and trying to find the XLR cables and all the cack that goes with all the other stuff that I've got, and then plugging it in and then the driver not working properly and 101 other things. So just have something that I can plug in when I feel inspired is brilliant. And, uh, how are you monitoring and, at the moment? Are you listening to us on the speakers or are you got the... the, the I am listening to you on speakers. I could plug headphones into the laptop, I suppose. But if I listen to you on speakers, I can stand up and walk around the kitchen and make cups of tea and everything. Yeah, yes. that's it. What man was born to do. Can, <laughs> Can I mention, actually, that last week I've, I'm experimenting with the idea of releasing some of my sounds as a VST sample library. So I created a VST plugin um, last week right. with uh, oh. some... Uh, it's just got the solfeggio frequency things that I've been playing around with, but it's more of an experiment just to see how good the software that I used to create it with is. But it's on my website, the marktinley.co.uk one, under the Sound of Art menu. And I'm just about to rename it Free VST Plugins, the label, so that people can find it. Um, but I'd like to know how well it works, actually. If anybody wants to download it and try it and give me an email and tell me, yes, Mark, it works really well, or no, it's rubbish. <laughs> Either. Uh, okay, that'd be awesome. No, I'm uh, just trying to... Go and grab it. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that. And also, thank you, Robbie Bronneman, for sharing your tips. I don't know where we'll see you again before you're off. I suppose you will if you're going for weekends. Yeah, until. I'm around. I'm around. Yeah. Excellent. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got your data back. It's always, uh, oh, always yeah, nice I'm, to have a good, a good happy ending to a story like that. Yeah, it made me go around the house and back up all the domestic computers and everything. I was in a frenzy. <laughs> oh don't i'm starting to feel that way now but uh yeah i must make another image of uh, of my working machines here now uh yes so anyway well thank you very much and no also thank you very much gaz williams gazwilliams.me where you can find out what gaz does oh <laughs> kudos to teenage engineering i've got to be honest blow me away uh, I had to send this back because the internal speaker had stopped working and I was really gutted to do it because I love it so much. And it was a horrible thing to, ah, oh, my little thing. And, you know, send it back to Sweden. But they turned it around incredibly quickly. And when it came back, they'd put, they buffed the scratches out of the screen, oh. put a screen protector on, cleaned, cleaned it up. And I just was so impressed by that. That's a nice that touch, service. isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, they're expensive pieces of kit, as a lot of people kind of complain about. But, I mean, that was an awesome service. So I just thought I'd just mention that. So very, very delighted I was. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear. Nice to see a bit of uh, good customer service in this day and age. Anyway, that's it for this week. I'm, think, I'm trying to think if I got a video for... Uh, I'm going to play it, see what happens. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not it. Was this it? No, that's not it either. I haven't got a video to play out, so... Um, That'll be it for this week. I'll fade to black instead. Thank you, everybody. Um, thanks, everybody in the chat room. And don't forget uh, enter your to enter your, the uh, isotope competition. You need to tweet. Oh, that's not it, is it? Ah, uh, oh, it's up there. RX3D Reverb, Sonic Nick, Isotope Inc. And uh, we'll pick a winner for next week. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>